Welcome to the Deacon Deacon Podcast. We hope you enjoy your stay. the Deacon Deacon podcast. I am your host Jeremy Striano and we have another great episode planned for you all today. We start across the pond in England where we see the world of soccer in full force right now. Champions League, Premier League, and even the Carabao Cup kicks off this week. In the Premier League, we see some great matchups, including one at the Olympic Stadium in London, which saw me yelling and on the edge of my seat. And then we have two other matchups, two of England's top teams with big 3-0 victories on the weekend. We then move over to baseball where we recap some of the best matchups from last week and we see the AL and NL MVP races a little shifting in that race or both races there. And then finally we end with both college and NFL football, some of the biggest matchups in the college world and in the NFL world and what key matchups you need to keep an eye out four. So a great episode planned for you all today. And before I kick off the podcast, I want to say thank you. Thank you to those who have already purchased their Deacon Deacon shirt. I've said it last week. I'm going to say it again until the fundraiser is over. Please, please support not only the podcast or the brand, but please support the foundation that the shirts are going towards, and that is the Ray Pfeiffer Foundation. They are currently helping 9-11 families of first responders to this day, from then until now, and they're going to keep on going with that. So I thought because of the 20th anniversary of 9-11, I had to pick this foundation. Again, you heard my experience from Hockey Heroes last week. I was blown away by their mission statement and what they do for people. I was blown away when I saw how the Zadroga Act, that you know, if you saw John Stewart down with the FDNY a few years ago, fighting for the support and the health care and the just overall wellness of those who were um, affected by the 9-11 post, uh, post attacks, like the people cleaning up down at Ground Zero. You know, we've seen a lot of um, people that are in the news of, you know, passing away from being down there and helping people. So that is what the Ray Pfeiffer Foundation does, and I am glad to support them. And please, you know, all, all net proceeds go to them. I do not take any money. It's, it does not go to me. It's all to them, and I'm, I'm very happy that we can support um, this great foundation and also to just promote the brand, the podcast, because I got to get the audience growing. And right now the audience is great, but we're, on, we're moving to bigger and better things. I believe in this brand. I believe in this product, and I, be, I believe in me. So if the three things that I believe in are there, I think we're going to do this and it, it'll all be because of, of you guys. And, you know, it's not just me here. You know, it's not just me and the microphone and the computer. It's, it's the word of mouth. It's social media. So I appreciate all of you very much. Uh, and I appreciate those who have already bought their shirts, but there is time. You still have three weeks left, but we need, we do need to hit a minimum. So right now I am about 13 shirts away from the minimum. So once the minimum hits, they will start printing the shirts and they will start delivering them. And the beauty about it is it is delivered right to your door. You don't have to pick it up. You don't have to rely on me to drop it off for you or to ship it out to you individually. Custom Inc. will do that for you. So all you got to do is you put in your, your credit card information, any additional donation you would like to make. And then when you put in your address, it'll deliver right to your door. They should be delivering, if the minimum hits, they should be delivering probably the last week of October. So 
as I wanted them before Christmas time, and that was that was great. Even before Thanksgiving would have been better. Uh, but I do definitely want wanted them in before Christmas. I wanted to get them in uh, before the start of hockey season, but that's not going to happen. So I'm I'm happy with this date. I believe it's October 27th they will be shipping out, but we need to hit the minimum. So we have 13 shirts left to hit the minimum, and we have three weeks to do it, I believe, in all of you. Um, I, I believe that there are people out there who genuinely, genuinely want their shirts. I've gotten uh, texts and um, messages saying, like, you know, I really want to buy one, but i got to wait. Yeah, no, no problem. There is no problem with that because we have three weeks left. It doesn't end today. It doesn't end tomorrow. we got three weeks, so... I'm really happy with the shirt design. I love the colors, the Vegas Golden Knights colors. I love them. I think uh, I really wanted the Vegas shirt. Now that the poll is out, I really wanted the Vegas shirt to win. However, um, the Liberty shirt did win on Instagram. However, on Facebook, the Vegas shirt won on Facebook. So I said, you know, let's make a compromise. We'll use the Vegas colors because they are neutral in this area. This area being the New York, New Jersey metropolitan area. And we'll use the font from the Liberty shirt because a lot of people said, I just love that font. Said People said that the red and the navy blue, that wasn't their favorite color scheme. But they were like, there was just something about that font that made me want to pick that shirt. So I said, all right, we'll use the Vegas colors with the Liberty font. And boom, this year's shirt was born. So I'm very excited to see this shirt in person. I cannot wait to rock it. And please, if you get your shirt, remember, once you get your shirt, remember to rock it and use the hashtag TDDP, the Deacon Deacon Podcast, TDDP on all social media platforms. So you got three weeks, three weeks to buy your shirt at customink.com slash fundraising slash the Deacon Deacon Podcast. Are you guys ready? Let's go. Well, let's jump into our first segment and let's jump in to the world of soccer. I don't think there was ever a game where I was experiencing all of these types of emotions in a long time while watching Manchester United. Their game against West Ham was unlike any other this season. Right, They were expected to come out with a victory on the road. However, West Ham was also unbeaten. They had not lost yet in the Prem this season in their first four games. Well, judging from the last clip that you heard, Man U did come out on top, but we will go in order. We will break down that game when we get to it for Sunday games. We have to start. On Friday, Newcastle 1, Leeds 1. These are two teams that I think are going to be competing for that mid-level, try to avoid relegation. I don't think that Leeds are... I don't think Leeds are going to get relegated this season. I think um, Bielsa is a great manager for Leeds. I like them a lot. I love Patrick Bamford. I'm very excited to see what he can do, not only for Leeds, but for the English national team as well. I know that he got his first call-up last international break, so props to him. Uh, But Newcastle. Newcastle's a team that I can see struggling a lot. I still don't think that they're going to get relegated. However, they are flirting with the relegation zone right now, very early in the season. I think a great January transfer window could keep the Magpies up in the Premier League for next season. So I think this is a great result for, I'm going to say Newcastle. I think this is a point one for Newcastle. They need as many points as they can get right now. I do think this was drop points for Leeds. I do think that they could have taken a victory on the road at St. James Park. But but yeah, props to Alan St. Maximin for bagging a goal there for Newcastle. So It was a pretty decent game overall, 1-1 there between Newcastle and Leeds. Now we get to Saturday, and we start. Let me just clap it up here. Let me just clap it up here. Wolves nil, Brentford 
two. Yes, Brentford are staying up this year. I guarantee. I'm gonna put a guarantee on it. I think Brentford are staying up. I think Brentford are gonna stay up in the Premier League. They are a team that I enjoy watching. But yeah, they will be dropping some points here and there, especially when they play the big four. You know, Chelsea, United, City, and Liverpool. But a win against Wolves. Wolves are a team that are in a in a rebuild, I would say. However, they do have Ruben Neves still. They do have Adama Traore still. I'm emphasizing the word still because I do believe that these players will not be lifers for Wolves. Um, I, I do think Ruben Neves could leave as early as January, definitely next offseason. Same goes for Adama Traore. But you got to look at Brentford here. Brentford newly promoted, and again, I, I've said this guy's name before, but Ivan Tony, man, he is a lethal goal scorer. I don't think this man plays for Brentford next year. I think someone's gonna I think someone's going to make a great offer for Ivan Tony. I believe he ends up on either West Ham or Leicester. I think he's gonna end up not maybe not go to top four. I don't see him going, you know, maybe Maybe Spurs, maybe Arsenal. One of those four teams, I think, signs Ivan Tony in the next year. I'm gonna say it right now. I'm gonna say it right now. I think Ivan Tony is a Premier League player. I think he's great. Same goes for Brian Mbwemo. He could end up on another team as well. But right now, their goal is to keep Brentford alive, keep them up, keep them above the relegation zone. I do think they will do that. I do think that Brentford does does stay safe. So, big win for the Bees. Love a great win for the Bees. Big props to Brentford. 2-0 on the road at the Molyneux against Wolves. Burnley nil. Arsenal won at Turf Moor. A home game for Burnley. This is a big win for Arsenal. This win keeps Arteta's job for now. What a great goal this was by Martin Odegaard. Scoring on a free kick in the first half. What a gorgeous, gorgeous goal. Now, I'm not denying that Burnley had opportunities to score. They did. They had many opportunities to get an equalizer here. But props to Arsenal. I think this was Arsenal's best performance of the season. You know, exclude the West Brom Carabao Cup performance or whatever. But this was a great, 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 great showing defensively from Arsenal. I really do. I really. I'm not trying to gas them up, but this this is what they need to do. This is what Arsenal are capable of. Yes, I'm not talking right now as the Man U fan who loves to see Arsenal struggle. That's besides the point. I'm talking right here now as a future broadcaster analyst. There are there. There is great potential in this Arsenal lineup. There really is. I do think that they need to, um, you know, maybe make some signings like to replace eventually Aubameyang up top. But right now in their mid and in their defense, there are there is potential there. And I do think that Aaron Ramsdale could become one of the one of the better goalies in English soccer. Right. So this is a big win for Arsenal. This is confidence for Arteta and his group. But again, if, if they continue to slip like they did early in the year, it's he doesn't last till Christmas, I swear. Here we go. Liverpool 3, Crystal Palace nil at Anfield. Liverpool are just class. They are a class, class team. I love watching them play. I think, I think that they could be the best structured team in the Prem. When I say structured, I just mean from like from the back up. Like just the way they pass the ball contain possession you know I do think City are the best team on paper but I love the way that Liverpool and Jurgen Klopp play it's it's a very fun style to watch and you saw it there on Saturday 3-0 win over Patrick Vieira's Crystal Palace look I didn't expect Crystal Palace to do much against a team like Liverpool last week they had a great result a great win there for Crystal Palace but let's see if they can regain the momentum that they had from last week and move it on to week number six. Here is the surprising result of the week, the shocking result of the week. At the Etihad, Man City nil, Southampton nil. A draw. Yes, a rare nil-nil draw for Man City. The reigning, defending, whatever you want to call them, 
champions of the Prem, who cares? <laughs> I'm kidding. But this is a huge result for Southampton. This is a team that a lot of people, a lot of YouTubers, a lot of soccer analysts say that Southampton might get relegated. And James Ward-Prowse, I just can't picture him in the championship. I really can't. This guy is a true Premier League player. A great leader, a great box-to-box -box midfielder, can defend, can attack, can do whatever a number eight, like a mid, a true center mid can do. He could be a six, he could be a ten, whatever. This guy can do it all. But this is a big result for Man City. I don't know if this is from if they're tired from their six-goal performance against Leipzig in the Champions League. But seeing them drop two points at home without even scoring a goal to a team like Southampton. Like, I would have expected this against a United, a Chelsea, a Liverpool, maybe a Tottenham. But Tottenham already beat them. But to Southampton... Not even like a West Ham or a Leicester. A Southampton. The Saints. It's a shocking result. With that being said, and we'll get to uh, this coming week's fixtures, they have to win this week, right? Like, they just have to be, like, mad, you know, getting the anger out. They're going to have to win. They're going to win next week, whoever they play. So, sh shocking result. <coughs> Excuse me. Shocking result. Huge result for Southampton. Gives them a little bit of confidence into next week. Big result there for the Saints. That's definitely two point. That's definitely 1.1 by the Saints there. Norwich 1, Watford 3. Norwich, I love what they're doing with all these loan signings, but it looks like that it's not going to happen. Norwich is a def is definitely an early favorite for finishing dead last in the Prem. Watford Great class there. Ismala Sar, love him. Love him, love him. Emmanuel Dennis, great young players there for Watford. They can try, try their best to stay above the relegation zone. I really do think that they are capable of doing that. Norwich, on the other hand, all those loanies at the end of the year are going to return to those respective clubs, and I think Norwich might be heading back to the championship. I know it's early, but it doesn't look good for the Canaries right now. And finally, the, the headline matchup for Saturday, Aston Villa 3, Everton 0. I did have, I believe, a 2-1 win for Aston Villa, but I was very, very high on Villa against Everton. Look, I love the villains. I love the way they play. Again, I, I still have them finishing in the top six of the Prem. I still think they're capable of doing that. I really do. This team just needs to glue, right? They're, they're a fairly new team here uh, at Villa. I do think they're going to finish in the top six. I, I, I Trust me on that. Trust me on that. I, I think this team has got all the potential in the world. They are capable of taking down big opponents, and they did here. Everton is a big opponent, right? I mean, you may not see it in the standings, but they are a top eight. They're a top eight team in the Prem. They are. Swear to God. Villa showed that they can take down English Giants, and who knows? I know that they, they didn't do well against Chelsea. The result, the scoreline wasn't there, but shout out to Rory Jennings, big Chelsea fan, Big on YouTube. On the kickoff, he said, you know, even though we beat them, Aston Villa play great soccer, great football, whatever you want to call it. They are capable of doing that. And I do think, and I'm still sticking with my early prediction, Aston Villa for sixth place in the Prem. Maybe a spot in Europa League football. All right, now we get to Sunday. We start here. Big result. Big result for Brighton. 2-1 at home. Over Leicester. This is a great result for Brighton. Brighton are going to be one of those mid-level. I'm talking between 13th and 16th. They're going to finish right around there. Right? I believe I had... I don't know if I had them getting relegated. I might have had them getting relegated. But this is a huge result. Beating Leicester at home. These are games you need to win when you are competing in the Premier League. Malpot, great goal from him. Love the result there. Amex was popping. Leicester, on the other hand, yeah, this is a this is a tough result. And if you go back and watch this game, I believe Leicester had three disallowed goals, at least two. But I believe it was three disallowed goals offside, 
offside again from Harry, uh, Harry, Harvey Barnes. Like, it was just unlucky, unlucky. I think Leicester could have gotten a point out of this game, but the luck was not on their side. But big ups to the goals here at the Amex, that stadium was hopping on Sunday. Big result for Brighton. Now, 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 we have two games left, and we're going to go to the Olympic Stadium. West Ham won. Manchester United 2. Now, oh man, this game had me experiencing all different kinds of emotions. I was happy. I was mad. I was fuming. I was delighted. I was overwhelmed. Like, name it. You name it, I experienced it. The first goal for West Ham, the West Ham did go up 1-0. It was a Ben Rama goal that was deflected off of the chest of Rafael Varane, who was attempting to make a block, but the way that his body was positioned, it skimmed right off of his chest into the bottom left corner. De Gea had no chance of saving that one in the net. He just didn't see that ball going. He saw the ball going to the bottom right. That ball went bottom left. All De Gea could do was just look and see the ball go into the net. That was 1-0. Five minutes later. This is what I love about Man U. Man U can respond. And I think we, we've we seen that in the past few weeks here. If they go down 1-0, they do not panic like they did of old. Right now that they have a guy by the name of Cristiano Ronaldo who can get an equalizer. And they did just that on a beautiful, beautiful ball from Bruno Fernandez. We all we always talk about Kevin De Bruyne of being the serving guys on the plate like they're like him being the best assist man in the prem. Bruno's up there and he might be number 2. He could be number 1 by the end of the year, who knows. This ball was insane over the defender. Ronaldo gets a shot it's saved by the keeper. Rebound comes out. It almost looked like his first goal against Newcastle. He's poaching. Yeah, that's poaching. We haven't seen Ronaldo wonder goal yet, but he's getting goals nevertheless, right? I don't care if he scores it when it deflects off of his pinky toe. As long as that ball's going in the back of the net, I am happy. He doesn't need to score a free kick like he did against Spain in the World Cup in 2018. He doesn't need to score goals like he did against Porto and Portsmouth. As long as it says goal, I am happy. Again, it can go off of his kneecap. I would not care. So a rebound goal off of a goalie mishap, I'm still taking it. 1-1 right there. We go into the half. 1-1. Fairly even second half. Back and forth, back and forth. But it wasn't until United made their subs... And a super sub came on and scored against what was his former club of last year on a loan. Jesse Lingard, 89th minute. What a strike this was. This was a sublime goal. This was superb. Oh my goodness. Top right corner. A little bend in that shot. Keeper had no chance. They were pushing to celebrate. I saw Ronaldo was pushing him to celebrate, but he had respect. You know, he West Ham gave him a chance when he was at his darkest time. And this is just poetic justice because we saw what Lingard did against young boys this past week. Yeah, it, it wasn't good. It was not good for them. It was not good for Jesse Lingard. Young boys went up 2-1, won the game against United. But nevertheless, Jesse Lingard says, all right, you know, I did that. Here's my I'm sorry gift. Boom, top corner. And all you're thinking right now is, oh, man, this game is in the bag. It's the 89th minute. We're up 2-1. All we got to do is just clear the ball, little time wasting, and we're going to be on our way, right? Wrong. Luke Shaw concedes a penalty in the box on what was a handball. And the referee had to go to VAR to clarify. And alas, it was a handball. West Ham are given a penalty in extra time. In the 94th minute, David Moyes looks to the bench and says, All right, Captain Mark Noble, you want to take this penalty? Go right ahead. This guy had no warm-ups. He was probably warming up in like the 60th minute. He sat down. He waited until the 94th minute. They get a penalty. David Moyes says, Mark Noble, you're the next contestant on Let's Get a Point Against Manchester United. Mark Noble gets the ball. He puts it on the spot. Referee blows the whistle, and save! 
David De Gea, full extension, makes a beautiful save to his left, Mark Noble's right, ball gets cleared, Manchester United almost did a counterattack and could have made it 3-1, but West Ham were able to defend in time, but nevertheless, it was not enough time for West Ham, the clock struck midnight, and Cinderella turned into the pumpkin, whatever that metaphor is, I do not know, I don't know what was happening there, I... I was rambling on, but anyway, man, you get the win, 2-1, great, great, great save from David De Gea, the whole team just runs right to De Gea, Harry Maguire was the first one to hug him, seeing the captain hug the goalie, man, like, that was, that hug was from all of us, right, that hug was from each and every single one of us there, this was a game that he needed. When everyone said that, oh, everyone should be playing, man, you should be playing Dean Henderson, right? Everyone should give Dean Henderson a shot. Well, FYI, Dean, Dean Henderson is not healthy. David De Gea is a number one goalie. He's a number one goalie right now, and he needed that moment. Yes, he did. Big, big, big performance from Man United. 2-1 win. And finally, we go to Tottenham Hotspur Stadium for the last game of the week. Spurs nil. Chelsea 3. What does this game prove to you? Well, A, it also it proves that Chelsea are one of, if not the best team in England. And two, they are elite on set pieces. First goal scored by Thiago Silva off of a corner kick. Puts one right past Hugo Lloris. Beautiful, beautiful, beautiful shot. And then Rudiger gets a goal later in the game. Two goals. Two center backs. Very rare in the Prem, very rare. But Chelsea are complete. I mentioned it before. They are a complete team top to bottom. I love their lineup. I also really like Thomas Tuchel. I think he's found his calling here in the Prem. I think he can be an elite manager for Chelsea. So keep an eye out for Chelsea. Keep an eye out for them to contend for the title, obviously. The big four, the big four. Um, right now, I think, I mean, I hate to say this, but I think City are the weakest right now going into next week. Out of the big four. Each team has momentum. Liverpool, great result. Chelsea, great result. Man United, huge result. Right? It might have been the ugliest of wins out of the three. But, three points nevertheless there. So now, let us get into next week where we have some. We have another list of ten matchups for the Prem. And we start on Saturday. Huge matchup here. At Stamford Bridge, 7.30 a.m. on NBC Sports Network, we have Chelsea, Man City. I am excited. I am excited for this game, right? You have Chelsea who are on form. You have Man City who need a win after last week's nil-nil draw against Southampton. What is my prediction for this game? I'm going with Chelsea, 1-0. I think this game is going to be Fast pace, back and forth. I'm going to go 1-0 to Chelsea. I think they're going to squeak out a win. I think the goal will be scored by... Uh, screw it. Big Rom. Romelu Lukaku gets the goal 1-0 to Man City. At the same time, we got Man U versus Aston Villa. Aston Villa, again, great team here. But I think United have some momentum. I'm going to go with another 2-1 win. For Man United. I think this time, man, you go up two. You're going to concede a late goal, possibly from Danny Ings or Leon Bailey, but it will not be enough for Aston Villa. I'm going to go with a 2-1 win for Manchester United. Everton against Norwich. This is an opportunity for Norwich to capitalize on a great team like Everton, but will they do it? I am going to say no. I'm going to go with Everton 2, Norwich 0. Game is being played at Goodison Park, so I favor the Toffees in this matchup. This next one is an interesting matchup here. We got Leeds at home against West Ham United. West Ham are going to be a little bit fuming after dropping points to Manchester United. Leeds getting a point last week against Newcastle. I think this will be a draw. I'm going with 2-2, two, 2-all two, two between Leeds and West Ham United. Leicester, Burnley, I'm going to go with 2-1 to Leicester. I think Leicester outweigh Burnley and the playing at the King Power Stadium, so it's a home field advantage. I'm going 2-1 to Leicester City. And we have now Watford against Newcastle at 
what's their stadium called? Vicarage Road, right? Is it Vicarage Road? I think Newcastle are going to take this one. I'm going to go with, this will be a, uh, I'm going to go 3-2. I'm going to go five-goal thriller. I'm going to go 3-2 to Newcastle. Two goals, a brace here for Allen St. Maxim in there. And finally, Brentford taking on Liverpool. This is an interesting matchup here because we saw when Brentford played another top-caliber team at home in Arsenal and defeated them by a score, I believe, of 2-0. Will it be the same? I'm going to go with no. I do think Brentford get a goal, but it won't be enough. I'm going to go I'm going to go 4-1 to Liverpool. I'm going to go with a 4-1 win here for the Reds. Big win for Liverpool incoming. And finally, we are actually no, not finally. We have two games on Sunday. We got Southampton against Wolves at St. Mary Stadium coming off of a huge result against Man City, and then they're playing Wolves, who are coming off of a huge loss to Brentford. I think the momentum stays with Southampton, and I'm going to say that they're going to win 2-1. I think this is going to be a huge win for Southampton. And the last matchup for Sunday, we have the North London Derby. I am excited for this game. I am very excited for this game. It is at the Emirates, home of Arsenal. You'd think Arsenal going to win, but I'm going to go no. I want to say, hmm, 2-0 to Spurs, 2-0 to Spurs, Harry Kane gets on the score sheet there, and finally for this week, we have Crystal Palace versus Brighton at Selhurst Park, I do think that this is going to be a great matchup, so I'm going to go with a one-all draw, I think both teams get a point in this one, Patrick Vieira at home, but Brighton coming off a big win against Leicester, I'm going with a one-all draw here between Crystal Palace and Brighton, now midweek we also have some Carabao Cup matchups, so the Carabao Cup is also known as the League Cup, it's another, another type of Competition, another cup that English teams compete for. So we have some matchups uh, actually starting today, Tuesday, at the day I'm recording this. So today we have Man City, Wickham. We have Watford, Stoke City, Fulham and Leeds, Wigan, Sunderland, Norwich versus Liverpool. Uh, let's see here. QPR Everton is also a matchup today. And then on, uh, on Wednesday... This day, the day that you're listening to this and when this comes out, we got Man U West Ham Part 2. That's going to be very interesting. Leicester Millwall, Brighton Swansea, Wolves against Tottenham, Arsenal AFC Wimbledon, and another big one here, Chelsea versus Aston Villa. So keep an eye out for those matchups. If you wanna if you wanna watch them, I recommend streaming them uh, on on the website or on the internet. Just look up EFL streams, Carabao Cup streams. You'll be able to find a link there. And, yeah, watch whatever matchup you want to watch. I believe, also, if you guys have ESPN+, Plus, they will be carrying Carabao Cup games. So keep an eye out for ESPN+. Plus. It won't be on ESPN TV, but if you have the app, if you have a smart TV, or if you have, you know, your gaming console, or your laptop, tablet, whatever, get ESPN+, Plus and watch whatever League Cup game you want. I'll be watching Man U West Ham tomorrow. I might be able... Might be doing a double screen. Might be doing a little Man U West Ham on the left and and Chelsea versus Aston Villa on the right because I really like that matchup. Also, Wolves Tottenham. Let's not keep a you know keep a close out for that one. Wow. Okay. So keep an eye out for the Carabao Cup this midweek. Keep an eye out for the Prem and then the following week, uh, the week after next or actually next week rather, Champions League will return. We will highlight some of the matchups on next week's episode. All right. Well, that ends segment number one. Let's now move into segment number two. Let's go to America's pastime, and let's go over to the MLB. In the seventh, Shohei Otani punches out the side. Base is loaded, tight game. Two out, eighth inning. 2-2. Two -two. Tenth strikeout. Gooby, you were all over it. Love that, love that energy. The reaction, Shohei, he wants this game. What a pitch. There have been a few times as a baseball fan like myself where I've been 
amazed at the raw, pure talent of a single player. I can remember, excuse me, I can remember seeing Mike Trout debut, hitting his first home run in Baltimore years ago. Bryce Harper was one where I was like, wow, like this guy is insane. Shohei Otani, I believe his rookie year was a bit underwhelming. We knew that he was going to be a great phenomenon, but I believe he did get hurt. And although he did still win Rookie of the Year, it was very controversial because he beat out uh, Miguel Andujar and I believe, was it Glaber Torres as well? This year has proven that Shohei Otani is the real deal. And not only is he doing it by using his bat, but he's got a great arm as well. And the dual threat, the pitcher-batter dual threat, you know, everyone's comparing him to Babe Ruth and whatnot. I mean, I don't mind the Babe Ruth comparison. I really don't. But we don't We don't know. We really, we all don't know, you know, whether or not he's going to be the next Babe Ruth. I highly doubt it. But he is a phenomenal, phenomenal ball player, right? And that this goes for every sport, too. I don't like the future projection of a player. Just let them do what they do now, right? We're not worried about what Shohei Otani is going to be in the next 10 years or so. If, if you are, you're legitimately insane, right? You have to just look at the now. He's a great player now. He'll be a great player you know, maybe next year we can we can assume that now, right? We're let's not let's not just focus on oh is he gonna break seven fifteen? Is he gonna break Bonds's record of seven? No, who cares? Who cares? He's great right now. Let's just acknowledge that we get to see a great ball player. The unfortunate thing is we don't get to see this ball player in the playoffs because the Angels are brutal, but. He is a great player right this second, and the sound clip proves that. That last clip, bases loaded in the eighth inning, getting out of a jam. Getting out of a jam. He is a great, great, great dual threat baseball player. And this first segment in the MLB part of our show, we focus in on the MVP races, which include one Shohei Otani. But we're going to start with, yeah, let's start with the American League. And number one in the American League right now through Sunday's games, according to the MLB's Thomas Harrigan of MLB.com, he's broken down a few of the front runners for the AL and the MVP, MVP races, excuse me. Number one right now in the AL is indeed Shohei Otani. And let's read some of the excerpts that he gives for the players. Otani remains the AL MVP favorite in the eyes of our panel. The panel include um, from the MLB.com. But his lead has narrowed. After receiving 90% of the first place votes in August, Otani dropped to 78.9 this time. The Angels two-way superstar has lost his grip on MLB's home run lead and is hitting 223, 353, 431. That's uh, batting average plus... What is that? I forget what the breakdown is. But since the All-Star break, after posting 279, 279, 364, 698 line in the first half. I believe it's batting average and then... Is it batting average and then your OPS? Or is it batting average and slugging and on base percentage? I forget what the line is. Still, even with that slump and the Angels' sub-500 record, Otani probably has this award locked up. He not only has 44 homers, 23 steals, and the third-best OPS plus in the AL on offense, but also the eighth-best ERA and fifth-best or the fifth-highest strikeout rate in the league. Combining Otani's contributions on both sides of the ball, his 8.1 wins above replacement, also known as WAR, is first in the first is first in the majors by a full win. So, again, the dual threat is there. His impact can't be overstated. He's doing things we've never seen anyone else do, Babe Ruth included. Now, okay, 
yeah, the game changes, right? I think the, the athletes of the past might get overlooked by the athletes of the now. I don't like... Uh, I think what he's... what. What this is getting out is that this season alone, we, we didn't see Babe Ruth do this. Like, we didn't see Babe Ruth. Uh, we don't even know how great of a pitcher Babe Ruth even was. We kind of just know him from his bat, right? Here, we know Shohei from both sides of the ball. Phenomenal baseball player. But now we get to number two, and it's the home run leader right now, who got 15 first place votes uh, for September, and that's Vladimir Guerrero Jr. In a typical season, Guerrero would be the clear MVP. He's flirting with the Triple Crown and leads the majors in home runs with 46, hits with 178, batting average with 321, runs scored 119, and total bases 342, and he leads the AL in OPS on baseball slugging, which is 1.029, all at the age of 22 years old. This man is the same age as me, ladies and gentlemen, and he's cracking 46 home runs in the MLB. Guerrero's MVP case has received a boost in the past few weeks as the Blue Jays have surged back into the postseason race with an 18-4 record in their last 22 games. Insane. Insane. A stretch in which Toronto's First baseman has produced a line of 375, 439, 750 slash line with 10 homers, 14 RBIs, and 25 runs scored all in those 22 games. Vlad Guerrero Jr. right now is the most exciting player in baseball. And finally, we get to number three, and it's, believe it or not, it's Vladimir Guerrero Jr.'s teammate, Marcus Simeon. Signed a one-year, $18 million deal only a week after the Blue Jays inked George Springer for $150 million over six years last offseason, Simeon made a successful position switch from shortstop to second base and just became the fifth second baseman in ALNL history to reach the 40-homer mark in a season. Nobody in the majors has more extra base hits than Simeon this year, and he has 80. A strong defensive player to boot, the 31-year-old is tied with teammates Guerrero and Robbie Ray for second in the AL in war behind Otani and hasn't missed a game all season. If these poll results end up matching the BBWAA or the Baseball Writers of America Association, their results, it would mark Simeon's second third place AL MVP finish in three years. The others who have received votes in the AL are Salvador Perez from Kansas City, Matt Olson from Oakland, Aaron Judge from the Yankees, Jose Ramirez from Cleveland, Cedric Mullins from Baltimore, Xander Bogarts from Boston, Carlos Correa from Houston, and Jose Abreu of the Chicago White Sox. So, it's a very exciting race. I do believe, I mean, no disrespect to Simeon, he is having an outstanding, outstanding year. I would assume Toronto might resign him for another two or three years after this one, if the money is in the range of Toronto's liking. I, I believe that you should resign him. You know, you should resign him. Excuse me, I'm a little hungry. <laughs> that was my stomach, I'm sorry about that. But... I think this race is a two-headed race. It's got to be between Otani and Vlad. You know, if Vlad just goes on an absolute tear for the end, if he cracks 50, I do think that gives him a little extra voting. But because of the fact that we do see a player on both sides of the ball, I do believe right now that if, if I were on the panel, if I were on the, the Baseball Writers of Association panel, I got to give my vote to Shoei Otani. I know it's close, and I love Vlad Guerrero Jr. I love him a lot, but I'm going to go with Otani here for the American League MVP. Now we get into we get into the National League MVP race, where we see a new leader in the NL, and that leader is Bryce Harper of the Philadelphia Phillies. Let's see what Thomas Harrigan has to say about the front runners in. The National League. The Phillies were two games under 500 at the end of July, but they have managed to stay in the postseason hunt thanks in large part to Harper, who has registered a, a 346, 464, 795 slash line, 17 homers, 17 doubles, 42 RBIs, or ribeye stakes as I like to call them, and 36 walks in 45 games since the start of August. Harper now leads the MLB in slugging, 6 
1.624, and OPS 1.052, and he's first in the NL in extra base hits with 72, and second in on-base percentage with 428. That is outstanding. Anything over, anything over 375 is great on-base percentage for a player. The 28-year-old's performance has helped Philadelphia close to within two games of the first-place Braves in the NL East. Meanwhile, the Padres have collapsed, opening the door for Harper to grab the NL MVP award away from Fernando Tatis Jr., the NL leader in our August poll. It would be the second MVP award for Harper, the NL winner, in 2015 when he was with the Washington Nationals. And now number two, the man who has slipped out of the lead is Fernando Tatis Jr. from the San Diego Padres. If the Padres do not make the playoffs, it won't be Tatis's fault. While the 22-year-old's production has slipped a bit since he returned from his latest IL stint, he still has delivered eight homers and an 892 OPS over his past 30 games. San Diego won 10 of them. From an individual numbers perspective, this is extremely close. So they kind of break down Tatis and Harper. Tatis has 39 homers, 92 ribbies. Harper has 33 homers, 80 ribbies. And right now, Tatis does have a one-game war advantage over Bryce Harper. The Padres and Phillies also entered Monday with identical 76 and 73 records. But the narrative is working against Tatis. Whether Tatis is at fault or not, it's difficult for voters to pick an MVP from a team that has played itself out of a postseason spot by going 10-24 and 24 in their past 34 games, especially when the alternative choice has performed significantly better down the stretch and is on a team going in the opposite direction. So yeah, even though the MVP voting and the MVP award is given to the best player, it does help if your team does make the playoffs or not. So we have to keep an eye on that for San Diego in the future. And number three, with coming in with one first place vote, it's Juan Soto of the Washington Nationals. If you tuned out the Nationals after they dealt Max Scherzer, Trey Turner, Kyle Schwarber, Josh Harrison, Young Gomes, Daniel Hudson, Brad Hand, and John Lester prior to the trade deadline, you might have missed the fact that Soto has reached base at a .529 clip since the start of August, hitting 348 with 8 homers and an OPS of 1.114 across 44 games. That OPS is insane. Insane. The 2020, ooh, the 22-year-old, excuse me, leads the majors in on-base percentage with 459 for the second straight year and ranks second at 990 behind Harper on the NLOPS leaderboard, which again is on base plus slugging percentage. He could win his second straight batting title too, with Turner just one point ahead. Washington is in last place in the NL East, but many of our voters clearly aren't holding that against so uh, Soto. And was it Soho? Shout out really Soho. Other people that are receiving votes are Max Muncy of the Dodgers, Trey Turner of the Dodgers, Corbin Burns from the Milwaukee Brewers, Freddie Freeman of the Atlanta Braves, Joey Votto of the Cincinnati Reds, deep fly to deep left by Nick Castellanos of the Cincinnati Reds, Zach Wheeler of the Philadelphia Phillies, and Max Scherzer of the Los Angeles Dodgers. Now, who do I think gets the nod here? I think, I think it's going to be given to Tatis. I think Tatis will do enough in this last few in this last week or two to get it done i do believe that he will be the nl mvp 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 yes i nl mvp there we go all right now let's get into the standings some of these races are insane again we do see a al wild card race that we cannot take our eyes off right now but we're going to break them down each by division and Again, we're not going to acknowledge the eliminated teams. Sorry, RJ and your Baltimore Orioles. I apologize. Sorry to Vince and your Pirates. We're going to have to skip over these teams. I apologize. So we're going to start in the AL East right now. And it looks like this is a one-horse race here. The Tampa Bay Rays with a record of 93-58. and 58. And second, we have the Boston Red Sox, 86-65. and 65, Seven games behind the Braves. Toronto, 84 and 66. 
and the Yankees in fourth place in the AL East, 84 and 67. This race is insane. It's it really is insane. But we're gonna we're gonna focus in on the Red Sox, Blue Jays, and Yankees when we get to the AL wild card race. In the Central, it's pretty much locked up. The Chicago White Sox, 85 and 65. And again, there are no other teams that are. Every other team is below 500 in the AL Central. And then we go out to the West, where we have the Houston Astros, who are pretty much locking this division up, 89 and 61. But then we get to the two teams that are in second and third. The A's and the Mariners are really close in this wild card race. Now we get to the NL. The NL East right now, that division is just insane. <laughs> oh, this, this division is just bonkers, man. 78 and 70, the division leading Atlanta Braves right now. 76 and 74, you have the Philadelphia Phillies in second and the Mets in third with a record of 73 and 77. Now, the NL Central. 91 and 59. The Milwaukee Brewers, who have already clinched a playoff spot, and in second right now are the San. No, San San Louis. God, what am I saying? The St. Louis Cardinals, 80 and 69. They are great contenders in this NL wild card race. And then we get to the West. The West, the for the division lead. This race is going to come down to the last game. San Francisco, 97 and 53. LA Dodgers, 96 and 54. Only a game behind. I get to see the Dodgers this week in Arizona, so it's going to be must win games for them if they want to get the division title and then end up playing the wild card winner. Because I think whoever whoever wins this division, they're going to be playing their second, you know, their second place team. It's just it's just a fact. And San Diego slipping right out of that wild card spot, 76 and 73. They they had this spot for a long time, but they've just gone on a really, really bad slump. As we mentioned when talking about Tatis in his NL MVP race. And now we get to the wild card standings. So right now, the wild card number one in the AL for the AL wild card, the Boston Red Sox. Number two, the Toronto Blue Jays. Right outside by a half a game are the New York Yankees. Two games out are the A's, and three games out the Seattle Mariners so it's going to come down to I believe the Yankees the Yankees the Ray, uh, Red Sox and the Blue Jays I get Rays and Jays from Blue Jays Red Sox whatever again I'm jumbling my words here I believe that the Yankees will get the last spot here in this wild card I do believe the Yankees will get the wild card spot and it will be played at Fenway Park we're going to get a Red Sox Yankee AL wildcard game, which is going to be must-see TV. Must-see TV. But the Yankees have some fighting to do to get that last spot. And in the NL, right now, the Dodgers hold the number one wildcard spot. That is pretty much locked. It's either going to be the Giants or the Dodgers, whoever wins the division. But the second wildcard spot right now is being held by the St. Louis Cardinals, who have gone on a late surge here. And three games out of from that last wildcard spot are the Cincinnati Reds. The Padres, four games out. The Phillies, four and a half games out. The Mets, seven and a half games out. And the Rockies, ten games out. So it looks like... It looks like it's going to be... Right now, it's going to be... The St. Louis Cardinals. I really don't think a team can jump them right now unless the Reds or the Padres can make a late run. I don't think the Phillies are getting it done. I don't think the Mets are getting it done. It'll be interesting to see if the Reds can hop the Cardinals in those standings right there. But I think it's going to be the St. Louis Cardinals who destroyed the Mets last week. But it's going to be a tough, tough NL wildcard game. It's going to be two completely different narratives from the AL and the NL. In the AL, you're going to have an AL East matchup where it's going to be, could be a one-run game. However, whoever comes in second in the NL West is going to just obliterate whoever comes in second in the NL Central. It's just going to be a fact. But then we get a first-round matchup of Dodgers-Giants for the NLDS. Sign me up. Sign me up for that. All right, we're going to 
continue this with our final segment. We're going to get into football, and we're going to start with college and then end it off with the NFL. If you know me, you know I love college football a little more than professional. And I love certain traditions in college football that are just so that are just a spectacle to see on TV. And we saw one this past weekend with the whiteout at Beaver Stadium. Penn State over Auburn that the whiteout. I had to go with Zombie Nation for this intro for this segment because I was just blown away with the support that the student section and everyone shows at that stadium. I mean, oh my gosh. has to be like, I forget what the exact capacity is. It's well over, I believe it's over 90,000 people. I believe it's the second biggest college stadium behind the big house. So I believe it might be 100, is it 100K? I believe so. But anyway, great performance there from Penn State. We do have some scores and some matchups to look forward to for college football here. We're going to start here. Purdue-Notre Dame. This was a game that Notre Dame had to win. I didn't care how they were going to do it, but they did do it indeed. 27-13 over their in-state rivals, the Purdue Boilermakers. This game, I mean, wow. I was blown away with this game. Alabama 31, Florida 29. Great game at the Swamp. Florida had a great, great effort, but Alabama just looked to be unstoppable for right now. They do they do show some flaws. I do think they could be beat in the college playoff, but Alabama were on the victorious side, 31-29 over the Florida Gators. Number two, Georgia, big win over, uh, over the game, Cox of South Carolina, 40-13. Number three, Oklahoma takes down Nebraska. 23-16 to 16 at home. What an interception that was. Uh, if you guys haven't seen it, I forget the kid's name. Let's see if I can find his name here. Oh, man. Oh, it was a great, great clip. Interception. DJ Graham, yes. DJ Graham's interception against, uh, against Nebraska was insane. And then Spencer Rattler's reaction is just priceless on the bench there. Number four, Oregon. Takes down Stony Brook 48-7. Number 5, Iowa takes down Kent State 30-7. This matchup was interesting here. Number 6, Clemson defeats Georgia Tech only by a score of 14-8. 14-8. Clemson over Georgia Tech there. Number 7, A&M. Texas A&M takes down New Mexico 34-0. Number eight, Cincinnati on the road takes down the Hoosiers of Indiana, 38 to 24. Number nine, Ohio State at home beat Tulsa by a score of 40 to 21. The game we mentioned before. Number 10, Penn State, 28. Number 22, Auburn, 20. 28 to 20 there for the Nittany Lions, who now move up to number six in the AP poll. Number 13, UCLA was defeated. By unranked Fresno State, 40-37. Bad look there for the Bruins. Number 14, Iowa State defeats UNLV by a score of 48-3. West Virginia over 15th ranked Virginia Tech, 27-21 in Morgantown. Great win there for the Mountaineers. They move to 2-1 on the year. Number 16, Coastal Carolina, 28. Buffalo, 25 in a close one. The Ole Miss Rebels at 17th in the country defeat Tulane 61 to 21. Tough look here for the Arizona Sun Devils, who I will be seeing this weekend in Tempe. They lose tough game on the road in Utah to BYU 27 to 17. The Razorbacks take down Georgia Southern 45 to 10. Number 21 ranked North Carolina defeats Virginia by 20 points, 59 to 39. Michigan State takes down number 24, ranked Miami, 38-17. And number 25, Michigan, takes down Northern Illinois 
by a score of 63 to 10. Now on to week four. I did mention before it is an unranked matchup, but I will be at Arizona State versus Colorado. I'm expecting a big win there for the Sun Devils. On Friday, we have number 22, Fresno State, who just beat UCLA. They're taking on 0-3 UNLV. Here we go. The game of the week on Fox at noon. College game day will be there. It's the Shamrock Series for Notre Dame. They're taking on Wisconsin. It's a battle between 12 and 18. I'm expecting a very, very close win for the Irish, but it could go either way. Number two, Georgia takes on Vanderbilt on the road. Number six, Penn State hosts Villanova. Number 17, Coastal Carolina will host UMass. Number five, Iowa will host Colorado State. And here's a big one. Keep an eye out for this one. This is the SEC CBS game of their week. We have Arkansas taking on Texas A&M. So 16 will host number 7. Big, big, big game coming up there. NC State will host number 9, Clemson. Number 14, Iowa State will go to Waco to take on Baylor. Number 19, Michigan will host Rutgers. Number 23, Auburn will host Georgia State. Number 24, UCLA, will go to Palo Alto to visit Stanford. Number 11, Florida, will host Tennessee. Number 20, Michigan State, will host Nebraska. Number 25, Kansas State, will go down to Stillwater to take on Oklahoma State. Number 1, ranked Alabama, will host Southern Miss. Number 4, Oklahoma, will host West Virginia. This will be a great, great matchup there. Number 10, Ohio State will host Akron. Number 21, North Carolina will go down to Atlanta to visit Georgia Tech. Number 15, BYU will host South Florida. And number 3, Oregon will host Arizona in a big Pac-12 matchup for you there. All right, well now that college is done, we now move over to the NFL. And we have some great results to recap. Thursday's game was insane between the Giants and the Washington football team. I didn't know who was going to come out on top, but the last drive showed that the football team had everything left in them. Maybe a couple breaks there for some unlucky penalties for the Giants. They went on a game-winning field goal. 30-29 to was the final score from FedEx Field. We now move on to Sunday, and Sunday kicks off between the Patriots and the Jets. This was an ugly one, folks. Zach Wilson, four interceptions on the day. I don't know what was going through the kid's head. I don't know if he was hurt, if he was sick. I don't know what was going on. But this was an easy one for New England. The Patriots take down the Jets 25-6. to Broncos on the road take down the Jaguars 23-13. They move to 2-0 on the year. The Bills shut out the Dolphins in what was the other AFC matchup on the day. They beat the Bills, or excuse me, they the Bills beat the Dolphins in Miami 35 to nil. Wow, big game there. 49ers take down the Eagles 17-11 on the road. The Rams take down the Colts in Indy by a score of 27-24. This is the Rams' fourth straight season for them going 2-0. The Raiders take down the Steelers in what to me was an upset 26-17 on the road at Heinz Field. The Bears take down the Bengals 20-17 at home at Soldier Field. The Browns take down the Titans 31-21 at home. The Panthers, and what to me was, I think this was an upset here, 26-7 over the New Orleans Saints. This is the first 2-0 start to Sam Darnold's career as quarterback. Shout out the Jets, love you. Cardinals win on a heartbreaking miss of a field goal by the Minnesota Vikings 34-33. The Buccaneers take down the Falcons 48-25 at home. The Titans take down the Seahawks on the road in what was a close game, 33-30. The Cowboys on a game-winning field goal by Greg DeLegg Zerline, 20-17 over the Chargers on the road. The, uh, the Sunday night game on NBC, Ravens 36, Chiefs 35, and what could be the game of the year so far. And finally, Aaron Rodgers is back. Aaron Jones, big game for him. The Packers take down the Lions in an NFC North matchup at Lambeau Field by a score of 35-17. to Now let's get on to Week 3. Week 3, we have some exciting matchups there. 
And let's see. Thursday kicks off Texans-Panthers at Energy Stadium in Houston. Sunday we have the Titans taking on the Colts. The Giants versus the Falcons. The Chiefs versus the Chargers. The Steelers taking on the Bengals. The Browns against the Bears. The Lions taking on the Ravens. Patriots, Saints, Jaguars versus the Cardinals. Bills taking on the Washington football team. The Broncos hosting the Jets. The Raiders hosting the Dolphins. The Vikings hosting the Seahawks. The Rams hosting the Buccaneers and what could be a great game there on Fox. The Sunday night game, the 49ers hosting the Packers. And Monday night, in an NFC matchup, from AT&T Stadium, we have the Cowboys taking on the Philadelphia Eagles. So an exciting, exciting matchup. Exciting matchups to keep an eye out for Thursday, Sunday, and Monday. Okay, that will do it for episode 10. Yes, this is episode 10 of the Deacon Deacon podcast. I want to say thank you to all who have been on this great journey with me. I appreciate it very, very much. But before I end the show... I know this is a sports show, but I wanted to give a shout out to one of my favorite TV shows of all time. It does tie in a little bit of sports here. I want to give a great congratulations to Ted Lasso from Apple TV, taking home a few Emmys, including Best Comedy Series. Hannah Waddingham, who plays Rebecca, she takes home Best Supporting Actress. Brett Goldstein, who plays He's Here, He's There, He's Every F and Where, Roy Kent for Best Supporting Actor, and the main man himself, Jason Sudeikis, outstanding lead actor in a comedy series who plays the title character, Ted Lasso. So as a tribute, we're going to dedicate the outro to what could possibly be my favorite show right now, and that is Ted Lasso. If you don't have you, have you haven't seen it yet, I highly recommend you do. If you have Apple TV, please, you're missing out. But if you have seen it, and you all can agree, this is a great show, and it deserved it deserved best comedy series at the Emmys. It really did. It was a clear number one in my book. But again, thank you all for listening. I appreciate it very much. I appreciate you guys tuning in. And remember, buy your shirts, support a great cause, support the Ray Pfeiffer Foundation, and support the brand, hashtag TDDP. If you want to buy a shirt, the link, again, is custominc.com slash fundraising slash the Deacon Deacon Podcast. Again, that's custominc.com slash fundraising slash the Deacon Deacon Podcast. Thank you all so much for listening. I appreciate you all very much for the Deacon Deacon Podcast. I am Jeremy Striano saying good night, and I'll see you next week when I'm back from Arizona. Take care, everybody. Come on.